My mother was very familiar with her neighborhood, but one day she stopped at the stop sign and she wasn't even really sure where she was at. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Today on Watching Your Wealth, Vanguard's Jack Bogle gives you retirement advice. This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. This is Veronica Dagger, and you're listening to Watching Your Wealth, while you learn all you need to know about building your wealth and protecting your money. I recently spoke with legendary investor and Vanguard founder Jack Bogle at the CFA Institute Annual Conference. I asked Mr. Bogle what advice he'd have for folks who are looking to retire soon. He had plenty to say. Well, the first one, by far the most important, is asset allocation. How much of your money should be in stocks? How much of your money should be in bonds is essentially the allocation. And then there are people that want to complicate it by adding, for example, non-U.S. stocks or gold or commodities, things like that. I, I, I go with a very simple one-two allocation, uh, U.S. stocks and bonds. I was writing to a younger person about asset allocation, and uh, I, I finally said, you know, I don't know what to tell you to do uh, with all the complexities in that. But I say, I can tell you what I do. I'm 50% in the stocks and 50% in bonds. And I spend half my time thinking, why do I have so much in stocks? And the other half of the time thinking, why do I have so little in stocks? And so it's a, it's a, there aren't any easy answers. But it's, I would advise someone who's just retired to be something in the broad range of 50-50 stocks and bonds. Now, if they have more stocks than that, would I tell them to sell it? No. Um, because they might have capital gains. Uh, and you have to take into account a lot of fairly complex things. And I also think very strongly that we should consider our Social Security, which presumably, you know, if, you're, if you put off your, your receiving Social Security payments until 70 and a half, they go way up. So Social Security should be considered a bond-like investment. So putting all that together, it's important to be conservative, not just because I don't believe that, not just because you believe that stocks won't do better in the long run, they probably will do better, probably, um, but because there are bumps along the way and you want to protect yourself from your own investment misbehavior, which is to say being scared to death of the market and getting out after a 50% decline. We live in a very risky world and nobody knows, the, the, the experts, nobody else knows any better than someone who's just retired or someone who's talking to someone who's just retired uh, about you know, what are the chances that we'll have nuclear war, what are the chances we'll have religious war, uh, what are the chances we'll have even worse global warming than we expect, what are the chances we will have global trade interfered with, uh, what, are, what are the chances we'll have a pandemic. Nobody knows those things. The whole idea is to protect yourself against things that might disturb the market. Now, one wise man observed not a very happy thought, that if we have nuclear war, it won't really matter whether you have stocks or bonds. And I think that's an accurate observation, but you say, well, then nothing. That's kind of a nihilist attitude, uh, which I don't think is a healthy attitude for most people to have. So first is asset allocation. And with some balance, particularly when you retire, that looks something like half and half, maybe a little more on the bond side, counting Social Security. The second thing is look at the cost you're paying. Absolutely, because uh, the, the reality is that uh, I did the, worked up a little chart 
I'll try and describe it in simple terms, uh, an investor that would be 75% in stocks and 25% in bonds, a very uh, aggressive position, and used actively managed funds, will end up in about, with about a 3% return, 3.5% return over the next uh, decade, uh, assuming that stocks are up 4% or, or 6%, I think I used in that example, and, uh, and that bonds are up 3 Take the same allocation, uh, the same returns on stocks and bonds, and go over to the other side and put 25% in the stocks, much more conservative, and 75% in the bond position, and do it in index funds. So you get a lower gross return, but you reduce that return by maybe 7.5 basis points and have a higher net return with a very, very conservative, too conservative, uh, balanced portfolio than you do if you have the reverse portfolio, much more aggressive portfolio, and take on all those mutual fund costs. So the point is that cost and asset allocation are directly related. You want to spend as little as you possibly can. For a lot of people, I think that means index funds. Uh, I think your listeners know I'm going to say that, and uh, only because it works. And you can own the stock market and own the bond market for an average of five basis points, and it's an option worth considering. Uh, it eliminates everything but stock market and bond market risk, individual stock risk, mutual fund risk, and gives you your only risk is the market risk, which you got through your asset allocation. So it begins with allocation, then it goes to cost, and then it goes to, I guess I'd say, live your life with joy. Don't live in fear. Jack Bogle goes on to discuss how to stay the course despite constant uncertainty. We live in an uncertain world, a very frightening world to um, anybody who's been around a while and anybody knows what's going on. And the world should take a lot for granted. It'll be tomorrow, we be like today. And when you go down a string of long string of years, um, and a retired, a retired investor of 70 today um, probably has 25 years of life expectancy later. I'm not sure I'm looking forward to that, but um, it all depends how you, how you feel. But financially speaking, uh, you want to make sure that your withdrawals, you're going to need to withdraw some capital because a portfolio, either a managed portfolio or an index portfolio, is going to carry the gross market return of about 2% for stocks, the yield, the dividend yield, and, uh, and about 3% for bonds. That's not enough to sustain a 4% expenditure, which are, most people are going to really need. So you have to be prepared to draw, draw down a little capital. So it's, you have to be concerned about that. Uh, you have to be concerned about readjusting those withdrawals if we get worse markets. Uh, if you're heavily invested in equities, you're going to want to uh, be able to mentally able, psychologically able to, to cope with those risks of uh, the badly declining stock market. And that's why I like the peace of mind that comes with this idea of a balanced fund, 60-40, 50-50, something like that. And I think that will help people uh, they are just retiring. Now, if you're, if you're about to retire at a much younger age, you want to think about postponing your Social Security. And uh, you can't do that. Uh, you can do it year, year, every year, but you can't do it backward. So the Social Security is really very generous with you if you postpone it from 62 and a half, I guess it is, to 70 and a half. And uh, 
So that's what I did. It's amazing how much money they send me every month. Uh, so, but you, you know, if, you, if you're over 72, it's the opportunity is gone, and it's a little bit risky because if you die early, you will not have gotten any benefits and will have relinquished. Uh, you weren't going to care a great deal about what happens next. So those are, I think, the, the main things to be thinking about. But you also want to think about, do you want to leave your kids an inheritance? I happen to believe that it's a tragedy for people to live like paupers so their children can inherit the, some assets. Live, live your life and enjoy it would be my rule. And uh, keep a positive outlook. I think I'm getting a little away from your financial out, your financial question, but you know there's a bright side to everything. Um, think about the bright side, um, and realize that you can have a lot of fun when you're of an older age um, if you put your mind to it. I also asked him if he had advice for millennials who want to save but may feel like they have no money because they're burdened by student debt. Here's his answer and his take on Social Security, which may surprise you. If you can't save anything, you can't save anything. I mean, we, we use this kind of rule of thumb. You ought to save 15 or 20 percent of your, of your income. But if it's all going to pay off your student loan, I mean, you know, you do have to live. And uh, so I'm not sure I really have good advice for people that are burdened with these huge student loan payments, which pose a threat to the economy, too. They're like at over a trillion dollars. Of student debt. I mean, none of us. I was lucky enough to go through college with a job and a scholarship, and I didn't have any student debt. They didn't have student lending programs when I was a kid, thank God. And uh, so, it's a it's a tough problem. It does not have an easy answer. I mean, I could give you some broad generalizations, but I'm not about to. But as soon as you can save, start as early as you can is a good rule. Put away as much as you reasonably can. Uh, balancing out your, you know, the way you want to live your life uh, with what will come when you retire. And, uh, you know, I, I think, say, well, we all know that if you do, if you save nothing, your retirement fund will be, I can tell you the exact penny, zero. So, it, but it's also important. We have a life to live currently. And, uh, you know, I don't think people should throw all that away. Uh, and uh, they may have a tougher retirement. But I believe certainly that Social Security will still be around. It might even be improved a little bit for even for millennials. Yeah, for millennials, and uh, but it's going to be uh, there could be taxes on people who have vast, large accumulations of Social Security. I don't think that's wrong. Uh, I think we are in that favored position. Ought to be prepared to pay our taxes a little higher, and Social Security wage base may change. So this probably doesn't apply so much to millennials because they're not up on the Social Security wage basis now, I think around $115,000 a year or something like that. But that will rise. And so people with a $200,000 a year income, the wealthier people, uh, are going to pay a much higher Social Security tax if that's the way it's done. But Social Security can be saved. It's under a lot of pressure. We can make a small adjustment in the cost of living as uh, one thing. Uh, we can extend the retirement age. There are a lot of things that can be done to make Social Security solvency guaranteed. And whether we have the political will to do them is a good question. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back with more with Vanguard's Jack Bogle. 
My mother was very familiar with her neighborhood, but one day she stopped at the stop sign and she wasn't even really sure where she was at. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Need to get your news fix? Look for WSJ on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and the Amazon Echo, The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. Welcome back to Watching Your Wealth. I'm Veronica Dagger. Vanguard's Jack Bogle gamely took Watching Your Wealth's fun financial quiz. Take a listen to his answers. What's the best financial advice you ever heard? Stay the course. Worst financial advice? I can pick a winning fund for you. Money can buy? Security. Money can't buy? Money can't buy happiness. And if you won a million dollars after tax, what would you do? I'd put it half into bonds and half into stocks. And there you have it. Thanks again to Vanguard's Jack Bogle for joining us. This has been Watching Your Wealth, a production of The Wall Street Journal. I'm Veronica Dagger. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. Follow The Wall Street Journal on your favorite podcast app. Search WSJ on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and any Amazon Alexa device. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously.